This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. But either way, great win. I think this was, in a lot of ways, their most important win of the season. You know, we talk about does this break through the top five of Met wins this year. I'd give it a little bit of time to see if it does. Because I think if the Mets go out and win eight in a row, we may look back at this game and say, boy, that was huge. Because it also would have cut the lead to a game and a half. And I do think, even though we shouldn't feel this way, a lot of people are. Because the Mets had a 10-and-a-half game lead, which I said last week on the Rico, let's not think about this again, but because they had a 10-and-a-half game lead, if they ever dropped out of first place or the lead continues to drop, which it may, that it's going to feel as if it's some kind of colossal failure when the truth is it's not. The Atlanta Braves are playing amazing, amazing baseball. The Mets stretch that they've had recently where they haven't played great is like a 500 stretch. It's basically what they've been doing. They've been on a 500 stretch, even though they've mixed in a lot of series wins around what happened against the Astros. So I still think it's in our head that this team had a massive lead and that giving up the massive lead is some kind of colossal failure. I hear the way people talk about this. You can't think about it that way. So I'm relieved they got this victory, mainly because a game and a half just doesn't feel great. You know, can you call it not the one of the biggest wins of the season, but like one of the most needed wins of the season? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was very, very important. No doubt about it. I mean, and also losing a series to the Cincinnati Reds and it's baseball. You can lose a series to anybody. The Pittsburgh Pirates dominated the L.A. Dodgers this season. It's it doesn't make any sense, but they have. But it still would feel dirty, especially the way it was happening. Like. They win game one of this series. And just briefly on game one, you know, solid performance by Taiwan Walker besides giving up the three-run homer to Brandon Drury. Lindor hit a big home run, which I thought in a lot of ways, the home run by Lindor was set up in an underrated way by Brandon Nimmo. Because if you recall, Hunter Green in game one of this series did not pitch well over the first two innings. Okay? Runs into trouble in the first inning, actually got through it. And then gives up a three-run home run to Brandon Nimmo in the second inning. And the Mets have a 3 nothing lead. Hunter Green, from the third inning on, was really good. I think he retired eight in a row, nine in a row, ten in a row, something like that. And there was an at-bat right before Lindor hit the home run that gave the Mets the lead. Essentially, was the game-winning home run. Brandon Nimmo had a war with him. Had this crazy 12-pitch at-bat. And actually, it ended with him smoking one to right field. But it was right at Albert Almora. Doesn't turn into anything. Two batters later, Lindor hits the home run. And so, I don't know. Maybe this is just me being a Brandon Nimmo fan, I guess. I just think when you have an at-bat like that, sometimes you don't see the benefit of it until a batter or two later. 
And because Hunter Green was so locked in, maybe that Nimmo at-bat, that 12-pitch at-bat, almost was the assist to the Francisco Lindor home run. But, you know, Taiwan Walker was good. Dom Smith had that two-run double, which was good to see. Even though he hasn't had a home run yet, it's still been a year without hitting a home run. I don't need him to hit home runs. I need him to get extra base hits. Because if you go back to 2020, which was his career season, it wasn't necessarily hitting the ball over the fence. It was hitting the ball against the fence. It was those doubles that he had. So that was cool in game one. But they win game one. They still leave a bunch of guys on base. They still kind of feel as if they should have scored more runs in this game. And then you get game two, which was, in a lot of ways, the most pathetic game we watched all season long. You make Lick Nick Lodolo look like he's Sandy Koufax. Poor Pete Alonso's going to have nightmares about Nick Lodolo. I mean, how many times did Nick Lodolo make Pete Alonso look bad in this game? You can't hit that big fat guy, Joel Kunal. That guy looks obese. Not to pick on him. I feel bad saying that, but he does. They can't hit Ross Detweiler. They can't hit Jeff Hoffman. Is he related to you, Pete, by the way? Are you related to Jeff Hoffman? Uh, no. Maybe well, they looks, could, but that's about it. <laughs> they couldn't hit him. They can't hit Hunter Strickland. And so you're watching the return of Max Scherzer. We're all excited about the return of Max Scherzer. He looks as dominant as he's looked all season long. His slider was unhittable. He's throwing strikes. He was just as utterly brilliant as we've seen Max Scherzer. And it all feels wasted. Even Jolie Rodriguez comes in and looks real good. Tommy Hunter's fighting his way through trouble in that eighth inning. And even though we're all going to bitch and say we don't trust Seth Lugo, which I'll get to, they couldn't score a run. They're facing a team with a 5-5 team ERA. And they're facing Lodolo and Kunal and Detweiler and Hoffman. Sounds like a freaking law firm. And they can't score a damn run? They can't get an extra base hit. How many extra base hits they had in that game? Ungats. Zero. Now, as far as Lugo is concerned, here's my, and I promise you it's a first guess. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't bring something up after the fact that's not fair. But again, I'm watching these games on DVR, so I'm very far behind. <laughs> Actually, this game had the rain delay, so I was up to date. So I guess I could have tweeted it. I would have gone to Diaz, and let me tell you why. The reason I would have gone to Diaz in the ninth inning of a 0-0 game is because it was the heart of the order. Now, granted, the Reds' heart of the order is not the Dodgers' heart of the order. It's not, you know, an elite team's heart of the order. But Tommy Pham and Tyler Naquin, I mean, sort of they're better players. So I was thinking in this moment, I got a choice here. I could use Edwin Diaz now, or I can wait. And I understand the appeal of waiting 10th inning. If I have a lead, obviously it's a safe situation. If I don't have a lead, runner on second, nobody out. Diaz gives me maybe the best opportunity to get through it. But I've become an extend the game kind of guy. And I think Edwin Diaz gives you the best chance to extend the game. And I think what happened in the finale of this series is a perfect example of why you want to extend the game. The common view, the buck view, I hate to pick on this, but you knew it was going to come up at some point with Zach Britton in the wild card game. The old buck view, and it's old because I think it's outdated now, was, well, I got I to gotta save my closer. Joe Torre did it to Mariano Rivera in the World Series against the Marlins. I got to save my closer. And my argument against that is you may not need your closer. Like, what if 
You extend the game enough. And in the 10th inning, you don't score one run. You score five runs. Kind of like what the Mets did in the finale of this series. You don't have to overanalyze my closer. But if you don't give yourself a chance to get there, you're never going to find out. This is not some kind of horrific move. I'm just sharing a strategy difference on why would he use Diaz in the ninth inning. Extend the game. If he gets through the ninth inning cleanly, and now it's the 10th inning, and the Mets have the top of the order coming up against God knows who they would have gone to. Probably Moretta, the guy they used in the finale of this series. I'm, I'm seriously, I'm looking at my scorecard. Who was available? Probably Moretta. There's a chance you bust his balls in the 10th inning of this game. And let's say you score four runs. Say you score three runs. Now Seth Lugo comes in. Not that Seth Lugo doesn't implode. He may implode. I have no idea. But it could be such a different game. So, uh, not the end of the world. This is not why the Mets lost. They lost because they couldn't score runs. But I have become more and more of an extender of, I got to extend the game. And I think Edwin Diaz would have given the Mets the better chance to extend the game. That's my reasoning for it. With that said, they need more bullpen arms they can trust, obviously. Seth Lugo, from day to day, you have no idea what you're getting. And in this game, he gave you no shot. I mean, really, the game ended not when he gave up the leadoff double to Fam on a play Starling Marte should have made. The game ended when he walked Donovan Solano. That was the game. Because remember, they intentionally walked Naquin, first and second, nobody out. All right. I mean, likely you're going to lose, but not the game. And then he walked Solano. And he fell behind him 3-0. That was the killer. All right, couple of things. Going ahead, and I, I really thought, Pete, we were going to have a really fun debate. And you know what that debate was? The debate's gone now, but I'm going to set it up for you. Max Scherzer was scheduled to pitch Sunday against the Marlins. And I was going to say to you, Pete, should they push him back a day so he faces the Atlanta Braves? Now, that's all changed because Buck has pushed him back a day, and he is going to face the Atlanta Braves. So it's not the same debate we would have had, but I ask you this, Pete. Would you have pushed Max Scherzer back to face the Atlanta Braves, or are you more of a, hey, it's Sandy Alcantara on Sunday against the Marlins. I'm not overthinking this. No, just have Max on his regular day. No, I think uh, the importance of the Braves series is huge. I think at this point in time, the fact that the Braves are on fire, we need to find a way to kind of simmer them down a little bit. So if Scherzer can do what he did against the Reds, now mind you, it's the Reds. If you do that against the Braves and give the Mets an opportunity to win, now they have to hit the ball a little bit, I think that's that's what we need to do because we need to put ourselves in the best situation to take those games from the Braves because it's neck and neck right now. You can't give away games. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, I totally get it. And because it doesn't alter the amount of starts he would make before the All-Star break, there really is no negative to it. Like, Max is going to make two starts before the break no matter what you do. So it doesn't matter if he pitched Sunday or if he pitched Monday. The, the, what Buck did, by the way, for anyone who isn't sure about what this rotation is going to look like, is he's keeping Trevor Williams in the rotation one more turn around and then reinserting Chris Bassett into the rotation Friday night. So Trevor Williams is pitching Thursday against the Marlins. Bassett's pitching Friday against the Marlins. Carrasco Saturday, Taiwan Walker Sunday, and then Max moves to Monday. So that sets up Scherzer, Peterson, and Bassett against the Atlanta Braves over the course of that three-game series. The only thing I would have considered doing differently, and this has to do with how Chris Bassett's feeling, is why am I having Trevor Williams make a start? You know, I get it. Oh, it's good to give guys an extra day. 
but I'd rather not have to start Trevor Williams because he's not any good. And I think we've seen over his last few starts. I know he pitched well for a while earlier this season. I don't think there's anybody that trusts Trevor Williams at this point. So if Bassett was ready, and maybe he's not, he's coming off the COVID list, and I respect that, I would have just said, all right, Bassett Friday, Carrasco Saturday, uh, Bassett Thursday, Carrasco Friday, Walker Saturday, Scherzer Sunday. So the negative to all this is that we have to see one more start from Trevor Williams. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you put your best against their best. You know, you walk into that series in Atlanta with your balls big saying, here's my best guy. Well, can you, can we make it so Trevor Williams plays Alcantara on Sunday? Because I mean, that's the idea. Like, that's the one thing I'm sick of. I'm sick of Max Scherzer doing a DeGrom, pitching lights out. No, 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 no. And not scoring runs. I'm over that. At that point in time, put it to Bucky. Who cares? No, no, I got, I, I disagree with you. I disagree. You don't. You never punt a game. You're punting I know. a game. You're no, no. You're saying put Trevor Williams against Sandy Alcantara. Why? Because Sandy Alcantara is going to pitch eight scoreless innings, and the Mets are going to lose anyway. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying. I, 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 I hope they'll say. But if you're going to pitch Trevor Williams anyway, then you might as well put him up against Alcantara. I disagree if, with if, you. If that's the case, well, no. I don't want. I don't want Trevor Williams at all. No, no, that's, I don't that, want Trevor Williams at all. But why would you feed him into a game that's going to be much more difficult to win? Like, he's going to pitch on Thursday night against Daniel Castaño. And look, Castaño's pitched all right, but you have a chance to pound Daniel Castaño. Like, that very well could happen, even though the Mets don't hit lefties. I don't like that idea of, well, Sandy Alcantara's the best pitcher in baseball, and he's pitched that way. It's no knock on him. Let's just feed Trevor Williams him. No, I want to win that game, too. But if he's going to get shelled, what's the difference of who he pitches against? Because because when he gets shelled, I can still win if I'm facing a pitcher that maybe I can shell. Well, tell that to the Mets' offense, please. Look, look, look. <laughs> the Mets have to score runs. I think we understand that. The Mets' offense has been very quiet, mainly because they haven't had a lot of clutch hits recently. So we know the bats have to get going. We've watched their runs per game number go from 5-2 to like 4-7 in what feels as if it's a week and a half. So we acknowledge it. The Mets have to hit. You know, my biggest concern about the Mets is what? Their bullpen and their offense. It's the two things they have to address at the deadline. It's why it confuses me when people, and I had a caller say this the other day, the Mets have to add a starter. I don't necessarily feel that way. I mean, could they could they use another starter? Sure, every team could use another starter. Even the Yankees, who have had no injuries to their rotation. Like, everybody could use another starter, but that's not my priority. My priority list is, they need a DH. Even though Dom has shown a pulse over the last few days, none of us trust him. I think there's a good chance Dom's traded before the deadline. I think he may be a chip in one of these deals along with prospects. And obviously another bullpen arm, since Seth Lugo makes us all want to puke. So that's a priority. And keep an eye on this. And I was thinking this watching the game early tonight, even though David Peter, uh, Thursday night, Wednesday night, even though David Peterson did not have his best day. He's the guy who could be a weapon out of this bullpen. He could be a weapon out of this bullpen because, A, they need another lefty. Joely Rodriguez is the only one there. And, B, if the Mets are healthy and they're getting close, Bassett coming off of the COVID list, DeGrom making his first rehab start, if knock on wood, I'm knocking on the wood, the Mets are healthy, David Peterson's the odd man out. I think that's an easy answer. And if he's the odd man out, Can he help this team out of the bullpen? I think he can. 
Anyhow, a much-needed series victory against this horrible Cincinnati Reds team. We got four games coming up against the Marlins and then a monumental series. A monumental series against the Atlanta Braves. As the podcasts move on, we'll do a trade preview coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll, I'm making a list of targets. I have an Evan Roberts target list. It now includes 35 guys. So we'll go through that as time goes on. But congratulations, Met fans. We won another series. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. But we did it. Make sure to download and rate and review the Rico Bronya podcast. And listen to Hoffman. He's on the Midday Show with Tiki and Tierney. And I'm on the Afternoon Show along with Craig. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 